I want to talk about the world tonight. We were praying about that, weren't we? I think I, when I was listening to the prayers, I think the world was mentioned three times. We'll do a little bit of a sword drill tonight because I want to bring you to scriptures. And I've sort of entitled this message, What Does the World Have? What does the world have? So let's just um, look to the scriptures uh, uh, concerning the world. Um, first of all, the world has a leader. We talked about that. Actually, when Malcolm prayed, he, he tied the two together. He tied the, the God of this world, uh, Satan himself. And um, I think a lot of times as Christians, we forget that. I think a lot of times, and you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think about this as often as I should. We look at the world. We see the chaos that's in the world. And I think so often we forget that the world is temporarily under the control of Satan. Now we know that um, God is in total control and nothing is surprising him as to what's going on here. But temporarily, and for God's purposes, by the way, Satan is in control of the world in which we live. So let's look at a few verses uh, about this. The world, what does the world have? Well, first of all, it has a leader. It has a prince. It's uh, turned to Ephesians chapter 2. And none of this, I think, will be... Um, surprising to you but it's it's I think it's good to go over uh, these things Ephesians chapter 2 and um, it says in in verse 2 Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2 where in time past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. As someone even mentioned tonight, again in prayer, that um, the world is in total opposition to the things of God. Total opposition to the things of God. All the people of the world follow the leader. Now we don't see that, do we? Usually when we, don't look, we look at people, you might rub shoulders with people on a daily basis. You work with people. You maybe go to school with people. Your next door neighbors. And we don't see that, right? There's a spiritual battle going on. And oftentimes we're ignorant of the fact that these people are under the sway. And everybody that's not a Christian is under the control of Satan. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But that's a fact. Now let me prove it to you. Uh, uh, again, looking at the Word of God. Uh, turn to uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse uh, 19. First John. Five and 19. And it says this, We know that we are children of God, and the whole world is under the control or the sway of the evil one. 
It's incredible, isn't it? So what does the world have? The world has a leader. And um, again, I think so often as Christians we forget that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against a spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. Christian, honestly, when is the last time you really thought about the warfare that goes on? When uh, Dave, for example, meets with Moses or... We, you know, we don't sense it that much, right? You don't see, but there's a real battle that takes place. It's a spiritual battle uh, that, uh, that takes place because the whole world is under um, the sway of the evil one. Uh, that is why Jesus said, if the Son of Man sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And uh, because men, if they're lost, belong to a different kingdom. They belong to Satan's kingdom. And that's what Ephesians chapter 2 was telling us. We were once under that influence. And so, for some people, you know, you get saved when you're young. Perhaps you never sensed that battle. But I can tell you, I remember the battle that I went through, uh, you know, at 30 years of age. The battle, the, uh, the war. Uh, over my soul. Now I didn't understand everything about Satan or anything like that, but I'll tell you, we live in darkness, and um, in First Peter two and nine, we're re we're reminded uh, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God to declare praises of Him. What? Who's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light? So what does the world have? Well, the world has a leader. That's what it has. It has a leader. And you know what? He goes about like a roaring lion, doesn't he? But we're going to find out in a few minutes that he can never have control of you or of me. Now, he can trip you up, but he can never get control. The world has a spirit. Let's read about that if you've got your finger still in the Bible. And I would sort of recommend you keep your finger in First John because we're going to do... Uh, several verses from there first uh, John and uh, chapter 4 and verse 3 it says this uh, I'll, let me start from verse 1 beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world hereby uh, know ye the spirit of God every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God and this is the spirit of the Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should that it should come and even now is already in the world so you see the world has a spirit now we know of the Holy Spirit right but there's a there's another spirit and that is the world spirit you know what the world spirit is it's, it's the spirit of Antichrist. And, you know, we know the Antichrist, the Antichrist is going to come, right? But what the Bible tells us is that his spirit, the Antichrist spirit, is already in the world. It's already in the world. And so, 
Um, the spirit of the world has a voice. And it says, if we keep reading, it says that the people and every spirit, uh, uh, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They, they are of the world, therefore they, uh, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. You see, the, the world has a spirit. We don't think of that. I, I, I'm, I'm sure you haven't thought of that. Maybe you have. I haven't. But when I was thinking about this, just looking at verses of the world, this comes up. So the world has a spirit. Like, you know how the Holy Spirit goes out? What is the Holy Spirit's job today? It, it, it's in the world, isn't it? The Holy Spirit right now is in the world. We were praying tonight for the salvation of, of men and women and boys and girls. And what is the work of the Holy Spirit? And that is to convict men of their sin and to convict people of righteousness. Not their righteousness, of course, God's righteousness. And the fact that people fall short. When the Holy Spirit makes that clear to a person, they realize that they have missed the mark. They fall short. They might feel all right, but they don't feel all right compared to God. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, it says, it convicts the world, listen to this, of judgment to come. That there's a judging time come. So, brothers and sisters, when you and I share Christ, Let's never forget the three things that the Holy Spirit does. He works in those ways. Convicting men of their sin. We need to bring up sin. There will never be conversion without conviction. Because sometimes we do that, right? Let's just pray. Well, you think the rich young ruler wouldn't have prayed a prayer? He was trying to find, right? He was trying to find his way to heaven. He was a very sincere guy. But the Lord Jesus didn't say, well, just say this prayer, right? And you'll be saved. He didn't say that to him at all. What did he say? Go and sell all that you have because he knew that this man had a God and that he had sin in his life. And the sin was that of, 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 of pride and the sin of, of, of uh, and you know what? There is never a conversion without conviction. But the world has a spirit and the spirit of the world, it says that the world listens to that spirit of the Antichrist. And what is that? What is that? There's no need for you to be saved. Think of it. Because that's what it was saying here. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That's, if anyone doesn't confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, let him be anathema, right? cursed let him be condemned right and so the world what is its voice saying to the world out there and we forget this you know we when we're not in tune to what's happening i think you know and i'm speaking to my guys whenever i raise my voice you know what's happening i'm trying to get my attention mine <laughs> okay so don't take it personally you know i'm not mad i'm just talking saying tony listen to what you've been reading and studying. There's a battle going on. A real battle. I think we forget that. We look at circumstances and you know certain things in people's lives. But guys, it's much more than that. There's a war going on. 
And they hear a voice, and they're following the voice of the Antichrist. It's like the Holy Spirit to them. You see? Jesus is not Lord. Jesus is not Lord. You don't have to be saved. And the only way to be saved, those Christians are saying, is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to believe that. There's a voice out there, and it says right here that they heareth that voice, the voice of the spirit of the Antichrist. So the world has a spirit. Thirdly, it has a philosophy and wisdom. The world, what does it have? It has a philosophy, and it has its own wisdom. Let's go to James in chapter 3. In James in chapter 3, keep your finger in that first John if you don't mind. We'll be back. James chapter 3. And starting um, in, uh, let's um, start in verse 13. James chapter 3 and verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. So there's the wisdom of the world. In a nutshell, what are we seeing there? Pride. Pride. We see it a lot, don't we? The world. The world has wisdom. It's all about self and self-seeking and envy. Don't we see that in the world? The world is enamored with pride. And um, Satan is leader, of course, right? What was his fall? Pride. What was the uh, first sin of disobedience? What did it involve? Pride. Christian, we need to be careful, I think, that it's so easy, right, for pride to creep in. And it's never of God. Pride is never, never of God. Because the overarching principle of spiritual wisdom from above is the overarching principle is that of humility and meekness and um, it says the wisdom from above, above is first of all pure, peaceable gentle easily to be entreated that's mean, meaning willing to bend without partiality and without hypocrisy full of mercy and full of good fruit See the contrast? The other one is earthly. It's sensual, it says. The wisdom in the world. It, and it's devilish. Isn't it interesting? Guess where it comes from? The leader. The leader brings his wisdom and the world takes it in. What did he say to, uh, to Eve? Eve, God didn't say you will die. You know why he didn't want you to eat that? 
You know why he doesn't want you to partake of that? Because on the day you do, you'll be just like him. Of course, that was Satan's greatest desire, wasn't it? To take over uh, God's throne. The world uh, has its own philosophy and wisdom, and it results in disorder in every evil practice, the Bible tells us. The world has religion. The world has religion. If you were to poll, and I've read this before, that um, 99% of the world's population would consider themselves religious. 99%. Like when someone says they're an atheist, uh, they're in a real, real minority as far as people's belief system is. Now, whether they're practicing their religion or not, that's another thing. But people will readily admit in any poll that they are uh, religious. But the world has a religion, isn't it? Doesn't it? And we talked about that on Sunday. It's the religion of Cain. It's the religion of Cain. And what is Cain's religion? It's that it's a bloodless religion. It is a religion of good works. So I don't want to go into too much because we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about Cain on Sunday morning. But remember one thing about Cain. In 1 John 3 and 12, you might just look at it for one second in case uh, you think that Cain wasn't um, working for someone. 1 John 3 and 12, it says what? Um... Let me just make sure here that I have the right uh, text. It says about, um, is it 3 and 12? I think so. About Cain? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 3 and 12, right? That Cain was what? Yeah, of the wicked one, right? So here's Cain, uh, a real representative of the religion of the world. And guess who was controlling him? Satan himself. Incredible, isn't it? And so we see the connection between the world and Satan. So the world has its own religion. You know the world has its own repentance? You guys are, I don't know if you, how far you've gone into Corinthians. Second Corinthians you're at? What chapter are you in? Well, oh, well, look at this. Chapter 7. Let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 7. If I'd have known that, I would have done Second Corinthians chapter 7 tonight. But I know somebody else's been assigned that task but let's look at a verse here that i think or two you'll find interesting first uh second corinthians in chapter seven and we know the story of course and you folks would be right up to date on this is that uh you know the apostle paul the the sin in corinth he writes a letter and you know telling uh the corinthians to excommunicate um you know uh, a brother and there was a lot of problems in the assembly. And now we're finding out in 2 Corinthians what happened to the Corinthians. What, what was their response? Well, we'll read about it. Uh, let's start in verse 10. For godly so sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So uh, Paul is saying this. The world has its repentance you know but it's not really repentance it's regret now I tell you I'm in the prison ministry I see regret 
every uh, time I go into prison. You know what they're regretting? That they got caught. I'm telling you. It, you know, because, you know, there's sometimes even tears. But when you get to the bottom line of what's happened with these people, they're, they're regretting that they got caught. And the world has this regret. But it's not repentance. It's not repentance. Repentance is of God. It, 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 repentance always, always uh, means a 180 degree turn. Repentance is, is forsaking uh, and then following. It's like uh, two sides of a coin. It's like if I, uh, you come to my office and I, we, we, you know, you've had blood work done or whatever, and I show you, well, here's the, here's the diagnosis. You know, here's the diagnosis. But that's not the only thing. Here's what, a, here's what you got to do about it, right? That's the other side of the coin, right? So godly repentance is, you know what? I'm sick. About the sin I've committed. I'm sick about it. I, I've named it. I know exactly what it is. God you know what it is. And I'm confessing it to you. But that's not just it. Now you forsake it. That's what repentance is. Now you take God's treatment. For the sin. That's what repentance is. You see the world has repentance. But it really isn't repentance. It's regret. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but there's a big news story that, that, that came out yesterday. And we've been sort of following it with, with interest in Canada because, you know, Toronto, which is the fourth largest city in North America, its mayor, I don't know if you saw it or not, but, you know, he admitted to, uh, to doing crack uh, cocaine. But for months, the media was on him and on him and on No, no, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, and I didn't. But there was a video out there of him doing it. But they suppressed it, they suppressed it, they suppressed it. Finally, he found out it was coming, right? That it was going to be now released. And there he is. He's caught red-handed. So he gets in front of the media yesterday. And did he have repentance? Nope. But he had a lot of regret. Because he got caught. He got caught. And folks, that there's a big difference. So the world has uh, it, the world has a form of repentance. It's a form of repentance, but it really is just regret. And godly sorrow leads to repentance, but worldly sorrow leads to what? The Bible tells us there leads to death. Because if you stay on that path, so think of people. Uh, you know what? I've had conversation. I remember one guy sitting in my kitchen um, one day. This is years ago. He um, he was at the crossroads in his life, and um, we had been good friends for for quite a few years. And he knew the old Tony Martin, and then he saw the new one. And. Uh, we played ball together and we played hockey together and he saw a big change in my life so he's sitting in the kitchen one night and I didn't know what was going on completely and he was right at the point of I said to him Dave 
What is it that's holding you back? You know it's true, don't you? Yeah, he says, I know it's true. You know you're a sinner. He said, I got no problem with that. I said, you know that you have to receive Christ in order to, to, uh, to become born again. Yes, I understand that. The next day, he left my house that night. And un unbeknownst to me that night, the next day he left. And he left town. He left his wife. And he had a girlfriend, see? I didn't know that. But here he was the night before under so much conviction, you see. But there was no repentance. And to this day, to this day, that guy is gone. And as far as I know, has never ever responded to the gospel. And I think in his case perhaps, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think that, you know what, God brought him to his close. He knew what the truth was. And there's a time, the Bible says this, right? And we don't know what it is, so I'm not going to make a judgment, but I'm just going to make a speculation. But the Bible says there comes a time when the spirit will not always strive with man. And that guy, it would be a thousand miles, as far as I know now, from the things of God. And he was an inch from getting saved. See what happens when you play with God? See what happens when you play with repentance and you only have regret in your life? It's not reality. It's not spiritual. It's not the truth. It's the world's view of repentance. Uh, the world has its affections, and I don't want to go too much longer, but uh, it says, uh, the Bible says that the world loves its own. It loves its own. But it hates Christ, doesn't it? Look at 1 John again. And chapter 3 and um, verse 13. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. The word hate. The Lord Jesus uh, uh, said in John 7 and 7, the world hates me. John 7 and 7. You know what it says? The world hates me. You know why the world hates Christ? Because Christ testified against the world. And showed how evil the world was. They don't like that. You know what folks? We were sort of discussing this last night. The time is coming for the Christian. We are living in perilous times. And I believe. Unless the Lord returns, that you and I are going to face some tremendous persecution. Now, you know, we, we live in, you folks live in the greatest country in the, you know, I live in Canada. And um, I'm, a, I'm a proud to be a Canadian because of our democracy and the freedom that we have. But it really, there's nothing like the United States of America that will fight and, you know, the soldiers will die. For, for even Canadians' freedom. The Americans have put their, their lives on the line for that, and we appreciate that, or at least I do. But I'm telling you what, folks, I, in my opinion, the world, we've hardly even sensed the world's hate, right? Like, there's been a few times, like, I was thinking, I have a vision, uh, excuse me, a vision of a person that I can't get out of my head since I've been at the beach in Florida the last time when Dave was speaking, I think, maybe just before me, 
a guy came, I don't know if you noticed him or not, Dave, but a guy came and just sort of mocked you. And we were just, you know, standing around and a lot of you were there. You might not have seen this person, but he mocked. And I was saying, you know, I'd never seen hate like that in a long time. Like, I think if he could have come over and punched David's lights out, he would have. You know, he just had that. You know, a lot of people, right, they're just fooling around or they hear st stuff on the street. They keep going or they're not interested or whatever. But there are some, right? But you know what, folks? I'll tell you. You know what I think the, the, I think the defining, the defining thing that's going to bring hatred to the Christian is, you know what it is? Homosexuality. It is so pervasive now in our schools, in the government. The premier of our province, which would be like a governor here in Miami, in Florida, I mean. I live in Ontario, right? The premier of Ontario is gay. And her whole agenda is that. From the teaching in the schools, in the public schools, you, you can't say a word anymore. Well, what are you going to do, Christian? What are you going to do? It's going to come to that. You know, I, 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 in Ontario, I have uh, a license to perform marriages. I'm telling you, it's going to come. And I'm going to be charged or I'm going to be uh, for discrimination. Because I won't do it. I won't marry them, right? I'm telling you, that is going to be the defining, in Tony Martin's opinion, it's going to bring the hatred of the world. They're so indoctrinated with that now that they will come against the church of Jesus Christ. That's Tony Martin's opinion. And it's going to happen in the next couple of years. It's going to be so prevalent that they're going to try and shut places like this down. And don't think for a minute that they don't have a power to do such things. I'm telling you, they are in government like you would not believe. I remember my brother, who's not a Christian, said, Tony, this was in 1988. I was sitting down with my brother, not a Christian. He said, I'm telling you, uh, he's, my, my brother's a, a, a psychologist. He said this, I, I've been watching it happen. He said, the gay movement will take over this world. He wasn't even a Christian, and that was 1988. He said, Tony, they will get into schools. They will get into the government. They will get into the workplace. And they will, and I said, well, there's such a thing. You know, in those days, we used to think 1%, right? How can 1%? But don't you see it? You just read your newspapers. You watch what's happening. And anyway, the world hates Christ and his followers. So, Christian, be warned about that. It's coming. You're going to have to take a stand. And it might cost you dearly to take that stand. It might cost you in the workplace. It might cost you in schools. I don't know in, in what it, but I, I have that, uh, I, I just have that real sense. The world has its affections. The world, of course, has its attractions. And we talked about that uh, on the weekend. Uh, the world has its attractions. You know what? If you don't think the world's attractive, then you ought to, you, you're going to get a conversation someday in heaven with Demas. The Apostle Paul, imagine writing. That it's in the scriptures forever, ever. You know, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. That's declareth the Lord, right? There's a name in there 
And you know what? It ought to shock every Christian. Here's Demas at, at, at Paul's side. A faithful, he's, we're told in, 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 uh, in Colossians, that Demas is a faithful man of God. Following. And then, what did he say in 2 Timothy in chapter 4? Demas has forsaken me, for he loved, what? Who, what did he love? What? Come on. He loved what? The world. The present world. Demas. Imagine. The last book that Paul ever wrote. The last chapter that Paul ever wrote. And he, ha he mentions Demas. Christian. You and I need to be careful. I've seen Christians, I'm telling you, that were leaders. I've seen Christians that were the strong elders in, the, in, in a local assembly. That left because they loved the present world. Christian, we need to be careful. The world has an attraction. The world is like gravity. It's a constant pull on us. And, it, and it, 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 we need to be careful about it. We need to, to, to be reminded of it. Uh, just ask Lot. You're going to meet Lot in heaven. We're going to meet him in heaven. You, you read Genesis and you read the chapters and you go, No way, Jose. <laughs> he cannot be a Christian, right? Lot, it's impossible. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. But the world got a hold of him. And, the world, and, and Lot conformed to the world. To the point that his message to his kids. They laughed at it. You know, he, he was so involved in the world. Christian, we need to be careful. We need to be careful about that. The world has its attractions. Ask Samson. We'll meet him in heaven too. He's in Hebrews chapter 11. As a hero of faith. And yet the world. Had such an attraction to him. That he forgot his vow. that The Nazareth vow that he had made. And that he. You know I, I always love comparing Samson. To John the Baptist. Because they had. Very similar, right? Very similar. Uh, their mothers couldn't get pregnant. They got a special visit from, uh, from an angel. They were foretold even before the child was born what that child would be like. I mean, they are very similar. It's a tremendous study to do both. And one chose the things of God and the other chose the world. And yet, Samson's going to be in heaven. The world has its attractions. And then, what ought a Christian do? And let me just close with this. Our time is gone. The Bible tells us what we ought to do about the world. And the first thing is that we're not to love the world. We're not to love the world. So Christian, let's take stock of our lives tonight. Where are we at? Do we love the world? What does 1 John 2 and 15 say? Love not the world. Love not the world or the things of the world. Anyone that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, 
come from the world and they're not of God. And the world and its lust are passing away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And Christian, we need to take stock about that. So what are we not to do? We're not to love the world. What does James chapter 4 and verse 4 say? You adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? And anyone that chooses, listen, listen to this word. Anyone that chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Imagine. Imagine the language there. Anyone that chooses to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You know what? I just wish that wasn't in the Bible. I mean that. I don't like James chapter 4 and verse 4. I don't like it. I don't like the language of it. But it's true, isn't it? It's true. And it's, it's a real, uh, a real uh, rebuke. To us Christians that get sort of kind of fond of the world. And we, we, we rub up to the things of the world. And we don't even realize that, um, you know, we're, before long we're, we're acting like the world. We're thinking like the world. We're dressing like the world. We do everything like the world. That's friendship with the world. And we need to be careful about that. And then it says... Uh, what should we not? Do? What should we do? We should we not love the world, and then we're not to be conformed. In Romans 12, Paul says this, right? Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Which is what? Which is your spiritual worship? Which is the least you can do? Tony Martin's version, right? And do not be conformed to the world, right? Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there, the, here's, here's an action. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew the mind, folks? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, think on such things folks it's a constant you know what pretend you got a remote control in your hand that's the only tool I'm good with I, I picked up a tool tonight ask Rosie and she said oh I'm nervous because I was going to drill some things into the you know ooh, I ruin everything but you know what I'm pretty good with the remote you know I am I like I can flick that thing with the best of them right and you know what I was thinking you know what Tony, you need a remote up here. You know, like you're seeing something, click, click, turn, switch your channel. <laughs> Get off that. Don't think about that anymore. Stop thinking. You see, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So pretend now you've got a remote control. And anything you see, is it true? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Right? Is it? Well, then what are you watching it for? What are you listening it uh, about? Why are you watching? Why are you listening? Why are you reading it? Is it true? Is it pure? Is it lovely? No? Well, then remote. Okay. And then thirdly, what do we need to do as Christians? We need to overcome the world. It says in 1 John in chapter uh, 5 and verse 4 uh, is... 
Our faith has overcome the world. Of course, the whole chapter in chapter 5 is about what? And this is the testimony, it says, that God has given us eternal life, and that life is contained in His Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. And these things are written that you may know. Hope so, Christian? No. That you may know that you have eternal life. You see, what overcomes the world is our faith. Not faith in faith. Our faith in Christ. We need to fall in love with Christ even more. And faith in the power of Christ. The Apostle Paul said this. Um, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Folks. We need God's power, don't we? We need Christ's power. It's the overcoming power of the world when we're tapped in to the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a little bit of the world tonight. Uh, let us pray. Father, we do thank you again, O oh God, for this time, and I thank you for these precious folks, Lord. I pray that you would bless. Father, that these things would challenge our hearts tonight, Father. And it's so easy, Lord. Uh, it's good to be reminded, Father, again, that, you know, that the world has a leader and uh, Satan is, is at the head and he's the God of this age. And, Father, we know that his time is short and we know that he is, uh, uh, Father, getting ready, I believe, to uh, to uh, enter into that uh, that man, the Antichrist. And the more or the closer that comes, Father, the more the world gets crazy, Lord. We can see the chaos and the the, the self-seeking and the all the things that are happening. Oh God, we pray for protection. I pray for each and every one, even these little ones that are here tonight. Father, that the world would never get a hold of them. That, Father, that you would put a hedge around these families that are here in this place tonight. And Father, that the world would never get one of these kids. That they, they would never go in, uh, Father, if they're not saved, that they would not follow uh, Satan, that they would come to repentance at a very early age, Father, and then live for Christ forever and never sway, Father, under the uh, influence of Satan. Oh God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.